Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. think we are all set what is going on everybody welcome in to underground sports philadelphia episode number 246 kyle bennett on the camera and on the voice line he's back again my co-host the man the myth the legend matt castarina is with me what's going on matt hey you know first time caller long time listener (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'm still living the dream but yeah (laughs) The attributes of that dream are, are not always so rosy these days, but still doing all right. Hanging in there. With Design Tree on the way back, we might have to put Live in the Dream on a shirt somehow, some way. Uh, but before we get started, as always, show sponsored by our awesome local sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, and of course, like I said, Design Tree, our kick-ass merch provider, they are closing in on opening back up again, and you can still order from them. We just had an order come through for our hit and season Philly shirt to celebrate baseball being back finally. Uh, you can use the promo code DSGN10 to save yourself $10 off at checkout. And, of course, our friends at Tomahawk Shades use our promo code USP at checkout at TomahawkShades.com. Save yourself 25% off your order. Like I just said, Matt, baseball somehow, some way, found its way back, and we are going to have the boys of summer. Yeah, uh, it was very much, I think, a, a, whether by hook or by crook situation in the end, uh, this season was starting, whether the players wanted to or got the deal they wanted. But I guess, in a way, if, if you want to look at the silver lining, it means we have an actual definitive plan for baseball to come back, which is good. And we only have to wait about almost exactly a month. Uh, yeah, exactly a month now until we're we're back in a baseball season. But, um, you know, I think that we talked about this last week. I think the damage that this is going to do going forward with relations between the, the players union and the owners, I think that we're going to see these conversations build back up uh, when you talk about the next CBA. But I guess, again, if you're looking for a silver lining, it's that we have an actual real plan for baseball, um, and now we just have to hope we can get <laughs> get to that <laughs> month point and, and actually get the season started. But I guess I guess that's a good thing, though. Yeah, and the, the details of the 2020 Major League Baseball season, according to Jeff Passan, are as follows. Teams will play their four divisional opponents 10 times, and the other 20 games – against interleague opponents in the same geographical area. So you're going to have 40 divisional games, 20 uh, games for the Phillies, in their case, against the American League East. So the Phillies will see, obviously, their divisional opponents, and then they'll see the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, the Rays, and the Orioles. 
uh, on their schedule this year, which could go pretty interestingly at the top of that AL East. And then you have the hurdle of Canada as well, which we'll get into because that news kind of just came up tonight as well. The National League for the first time, Matt, will use a designated hitter. What are your thoughts on the DH? It, it kind of works for the Phillies if you think about it because the only we're not exactly what you would call a deep team, but I think the only depth that we do have are, are good hitters. I think the question that's always been about you know any of our kind of platoon guys has been their defensive ability, especially when you talk about like any spare outfielders we have. But I think we have you know at least one or two power guys that we could depend on to be a reliable DH and we do have a pretty flexible lineup as well, which is going to be really important when you consider like the, the plan is to play 60 games in, in 66 days um, and, and what the, the kind of toll that's going to take. But it's this is going to be a sprint year. And I think you're going to see that could be beneficial to a team like the Phillies. If you think about it, a team that's more focused on offense and um, a lot of questions about pitching. Uh, but now, you know, they've had some extra time to get guys healthy, which is a, a bonus, you'd have to say. You know, like guys like McCutcheon, um, you know, you feel a lot more serious are, are going to actually be there for opening day now, whereas if this season was already halfway through. Maybe we'd be seeing McCutcheon now. But, yeah, I think just the way the league is set up now could be in the Phillies' favor. You look at the schedule, too, and, I mean, it's a it's a pretty tough schedule, for being honest. I mean, those are probably the two hardest divisions in terms of just top to bottom, you know, good quality teams, there's obviously some stinkers in there, but for, for the most part, those are, those are difficult teams that I feel like you're going to have to face this year. And uh, I, 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 I'm very curious to see how the season's going to go when you consider it's, it's not even half a season, really. It's, it's almost like a third. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you look at last year uh, through 60 games, the Phillies were in first place. So, I mean, that, that just goes to show you how, the length of a baseball season truly comes into play because the defending World Series champions were, you know, a, a bazillion games under 500 last year after 60 games and ended up winning the entire thing. So, I mean, the the whole sprint component to this is going to be super interesting because how does that play into, you know, pitchers and, and their time off? Um, you know, how are teams going to focus on their rotations? Are guys going to pitch every fifth day? Is it going to be abbreviated where it's like every third day, every fourth day? I think that's going to be an interesting component of all of this, and how is that going to affect potential injuries to guys as well? Yeah, the the management aspect of this is going to be a headache, I'm sure. And speaking of injuries, I mean, this is, you know, we, we've seen it. I've seen a lot with European soccer where you're having a lot more of these, like, tissue injuries, you know, like hamstring and muscular stuff because, you know, you think about it, this is – a really long layoff for, for lots of players. I mean, you know, you, you already had the off season. Now you're going another, you know, three months into what would normally be the season. This is the longest time off. A lot of these guys have had probably in over a decade, if not longer, uh, you know, of playing baseball, you know, at a, at a really high level. So you have to wonder, you know, just even with the spring training and getting back in shape, if you're not going to see some more of those muscular injuries. And I think teams that, you know, have depth that, you know, positions like pitching and, and have some field guys that they can work through those teams are obviously going to have an advantage i think in a format like this just because it, it could turn into a war of attrition you know when you talk about um you know again when you're going through a sprint like this having just guys that you can depend on not just one through nine but even having you know a few a few extra but yeah i think uh 
it's going to be a very interesting season. And I don't want to put an asterisk on it or anything because I think whoever wins will still be a worthy winner. But it's certainly going to be. Uh, it's. It, I mean, if you think I, I saw a stat that said I think only twenty five percent of the uh, of the like World Series winners, twenty five percent of them would not have even made the playoffs if it had just been based on sixty games. You know, like it's the the baseball season as it is is so long, and that's why baseball produces such great teams because you have so many sample sizes. I mean, sixty games that's that's shorter than you know uh, than what hockey and, and and basketball get right, and it's. It's going to be a very, very interesting season. Yeah, and speaking of you know injuries and everything, roster flexibility, uh, rosters are going to start at 30 for the first two weeks, then go to 28 for the next two weeks, and then stay at 26 for the remainder of the season. And teams will have a taxi squad that allows them to have as many as 60 players available to play in Major League games as opposed to the 40-man roster that we're accustomed to seeing. Which is good, you know, giving giving the teams more options and I, I think a way to alleviate, you know, potential injury fears or rotation fears and, and giving them essentially just more tools to work with, I think is is smart and uh, the 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 good way to go about this. Um, and I you know, it's interesting for, for teams like the Phillies, obviously you have some young prospects that you'd hope to see called up and, and integrated in with the team. Uh, maybe that maybe this is going to give them a chance, right? You know, if, if they we're going to have to look at the silver linings as much as we can with this season and, and every other season that recontinues and, and look and say, you know, maybe this gives some young guys a chance where this maybe they want it, you know, if, um, you know, again, when you consider 60 games in 66 days and, you know, then you're, you're right in the playoffs too. I mean, that's, that is an impressive run and it's going to take a toll, I think on a lot of guys, but I'm, I'm very curious to see how this works. And then when it comes to the injured list, there will be a COVID-19 injured list with no minimum or maximum length of time spent on it, while the standard injured list stints will be for 10 days and the typical 60-day injured list will instead be for 45 days. And then I think the most insane, asinine part of all of this is that the trade deadline will be August 31st, less than a month before the regular season is scheduled to end. That trade deadline is either going to be pure chaos in a good way or pure chaos in a horrible way. Yeah, I mean, I think this, this as we get closer to it, I think we'll get a better understanding of, of what teams are valuing. But I, I do feel like you could see a team really really get one over on someone else and get someone at, at real diminished value based on, on the shortened season and kind of the future of baseball and, and potentially even, you know, if someone's looking to maybe get, you know, we, we saw it with Mookie Betts, right? Like maybe not wanting to pay a, a superstar what they're worth. Maybe you're able to get someone on, on a cheaper deal like that, um, you know, at a trade deadline like that. Like that's that's going to be definitely an interesting factor in this is is how teams value players right and how teams even value again very good players and very well-paid players or players that are going to be paid well like we can't forget that teams are cheap and that they're also missing out on a lot of revenue this year and that could lead to them wanting to minimize costs where they can i mean you see this 
in normal times, right? You know, you just had an MVP traded away uh, because the, the Red Sox didn't want to pay uh, pay him. And I think you could see some of that at this deadline. You always hear whispers about it, right? We, you know, obviously as Phillies fans, we heard a lot about like Chris Bryant potentially on his way here. Like I wouldn't be surprised to see guys in that kind of stratosphere dangled a lot at the trade deadline or at least rumored. And I think the the other interesting aspect of this is because the schedule is going to be so regionalized, how does it play if, say, a Chris Bryant who's playing in Chicago gets traded to, you know, just as an example, to Oakland and has to go out west? Does he have to then quarantine for a certain amount of time before he can join the actual roster? You know, that I think that aspect of it as well is going to be interesting because we also don't know what it's going to be like when it comes to coronavirus come August 31st. Yeah, it's it's hard to tell what, right, you know, the very real situation is. I mean, even now with the plans to restart and, and as we've seen in some other leagues, like it's getting a little hectic because every day we're finding out more and more there's, there's cases spiking in different parts of the country. And just with how fragmented, you know, the entire country's response has been, to COVID-19 and, and, you know, it's been left up to each individual state. You're obviously seeing, you know, a lot of states in the Northeast right now, obviously on the, you know, on a decline in cases where, you know, some states in the South and, and California are seeing rises in cases. I think we're going to see that a lot through the summer where there's different hotspots. And yeah, what if a team that plays in Texas is, you know, potentially limited by, by that, right. Or each state is going to have different standards for quarantine. I mean, the logistical side of this is going to be, I think, a little bit of a headache, and it will be interesting. I mean, you know, what happens if, if a guy gets COVID-19 right at a pivotal point in the season or, or even all the way in, you know, into postseason and can't play? I mean, these are very real questions that I, I, that I really don't have answers either. You know, the, the truth is you're just going to have to, to deal with it and, and I guess self-quarantine, but um, it's certainly a big big question mark there's there's an interesting anecdote in in the russian soccer league where uh fc rostov found out that i think five or six of their players tested positive and the entire team and training staff had to go into self-quarantine a few days before a game and the other team refused because the league hadn't implemented any kind of plan for this the other team refused to you know suspend the game until they could play it so they had to send their uh like under 18 players to go play a senior league game and of course, they lost. I think it was fourteen to one in the end. Um, you know, what if that happens? What if an entire team has to be self quarantined? It's not unbelievable that that could happen. So, I I just worry that you know players are going to be put in a position where they feel like they have to play right. And and we're also hearing, which is not so great, of course, uh, that players aren't necessarily guaranteed money if they decide to sit out, like we've seen with the NBA. Um, you know, if they feel like either themselves or, or family members that they have are, are at risk. Um, they're, as, as we know, are not guaranteed money by, by the teams if they decide to sit out. Um, and I feel like there's going to be all kinds of litigation about what what does at risk really mean. And I, I, I think it, it could get a little messy when you start you know, debating those types of things. Yeah. And I mean, you look at just yesterday, we find out one of the league's you know top superstars. He's probably not highly regarded because of the market he's in, but Charlie Blackman tested positive. You know, he's one of the the premier hitters in Major League Baseball, and you know he's obviously doing well. He he's not really feeling any symptoms, but 
that's a guy that for the Colorado Rockies, that's a, a heartbeat of their team along with Nolan Arenado. Like you said, what what's going to happen if a guy, and especially with him playing in Colorado, how does that affect him with the altitude and everything when he's eventually healthy enough to play? Is he going to feel any you know long term side effects? Uh, it's it's an interesting dynamic with everything happening, and it's also not in a bubble where these teams are going to be playing at their home stadiums. Yeah, um, I I just think it, it's it's still a huge risk, and I do think there's ways you can do it safely. I, I still do believe there are ways to get the leagues up and back safely, but that requires a more unified response than what we're getting. I'm not even talking, you know, from MLB's perspective or NBA's perspective. I'm talking as a country, right? Like we are, we do not have a unified response whatsoever on a federal level. It's it's very largely being left to states and you're seeing states choosing to just reopen or keep things open in the interest of money and, and keeping businesses going. Um, and it's going to be at a cost of human life. And I just worry that, that we don't, this is a very new virus, right? We don't know what the long-term effects are, right? We don't know. Yes, obviously all the players are in prime shape, but we also can't forget that teams aren't just the players. Like you think of any manager, they're all usually on the older side and aren't exactly like pillars of health and fitness. Like maybe they used to be, if they were players, like, you know, a lot of those guys are out of shape. They're older are in the high risk category. You think of all the other you know, coaches and staff that, that are going to have to be involved. I mean, you're putting, people that aren't just millionaires at risk, right? Like, you know, I, I get that people don't want to see players a lot as, as people, which is unfair and, 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 and cold, but, you know, they see them as these millionaires. They don't really feel bad for them. There, there's other people that this is just their job for them that are going to be put at risk when you do this. And I, is, is you have to weigh up, is that worth it? And I don't know. And I don't know how, how safe I would feel going into a situation like this. But, you know, we, we have to hope that, Major League Baseball and the teams can do this right and the players can, you know, hold themselves accountable and make sure that they're, you know, obviously staying safe uh, wherever they are and and wearing masks and distancing and all that and then doing as good as they can. But it's I, I think it's such a huge gamble to be to be playing sports right now in America. I really do. Yeah. And one thing that does directly affect the Phillies, it affects the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Uh, is players with pregnant wives. Uh, you know, Zach Wheeler has, you know, raised concern because his wife is pregnant with their first child. Mike Trout's wife is pregnant with their first child. How is that all going to play out? Bob Nightingale tweeted uh, today that players who have a pregnant spouse can go on a three-day maternity list and be paid or a family emergency be paid for a maximum of seven days Yet, if the player still needs more time, it's up to the club's discretion to pay the salary or not. And I, I have no doubt that it, uh, a team would pay that for a superstar. But mm-hmm. you know what? If, what if it's a guy that's on a ten-day, right? right? Or or a young guy getting called up? You know, you, I think you're, you're putting players at risk that way. And again, when you're not guaranteeing that they'll still be paid or they'll have the protection, not only is that I think the wrong thing to do, but it, it also might discourage them from you know, disclosing any information or, or just make them feel uncomfortable. Like I, I want anyone that's coming back. I want to be fully interested and invested in doing it. I, I don't want them to feel forced to go back to playing baseball, going back to playing basketball. If they feel like their family's health is potentially 
you know, at risk by them going back, you know, this is back to work for them too. You know, this Mm -hmm. isn't just, you know, it's, it's the same, I think discussions that lots of people will be having, you know, over the next few months as things reopen is how safe do you feel going back to your job? And I don't think a lot of people do feel completely safe. Um, And I think people have the right to feel that way. Yeah. And uh, the odds are also out for the uh, favorites to win the World Series. And of course, the odds makers at Caesar Sportsbook have uh, given the Yankees and the Dodgers the best odds at 7-2 to two to win the World Series. And then the Houston Astros are third favorites at 11-1. to one. But I think the best prop bet that came out uh, is one that Bleacher Report tweeted out. And there are odds, Matt, to bet on for the first Astros player to be hit by a pitch. <laughs> Uh, who's the first one up? I mean, who's leading off? If that's honestly uh, your best guess, I don't. I think I, w- I would, if I was personally making this bet, I would put it on Altuve or Bregman because I think those are the have been the two faces. I think uh, of of the scorn and and the hatred of the Astros. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> they have to be kind of uh, <laughs> happy because. This is this is sort of overshadowed what would have been, yes. I'm sure, a very very sore and black and blue first few months of the season. But uh, a again, I I'm interested because this is going to be such an unusual season. I think if it goes through and if it can go through safely, I think it's going to be an incredibly fascinating one. And I, I think it could be actually really fun baseball. You know, when you consider that it's it's probably going to be just every day you're having so many games on. And what a joy that's going to be. And, um, you know, I, I just think that that could be a really good aspect. And it'll be good, obviously, to have sports back. If if baseball can come back and, again, come back safely, it's, it's going to be a nice thing to have back in our lives. Yeah, so uh, your odds for Alex Bregman, he is the, the favorite at plus 350. Correa is at plus 400. Altuve is at plus 400. And then I think a, a sneaky, fun underdog for that Astros bet is Josh Reddick at plus three thousand? He he was because you know he was a uh, he was one of those guys that kind of called being being a hypocrite and I, yeah I mean I, any one of them honestly <laughs> yeah like it, it's it inevitable that it. it's gonna happen so yes um, absolutely that's gonna be a well, lot. Do you fun. see see players can't spit now and yes. they can't use sunflower seeds? I mean that's Which, there's 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 so many rule changes like that that just. It's going to feel very strange uh, with baseball not having those things involved. If I'm not mistaken, those rules were also implemented when the Korean Baseball Organization came back a couple months ago that spitting, uh, sunflower seeds, chewing tobacco was all prohibited. Um, But they are going to be able to chew gum in Major League Baseball. So maybe uh, it'll get some guys off tobacco and uh, just have them chewing the, the double bubble. Jeez. <laughs> oh my god. Um but when it comes to the Phillies, now we're finally going to see Joe Girardi in the dugout. We're finally going to get Zach Wheeler on the mound, Didi Gregorius playing shortstop. We're finally going to see this new look Phillies team uh that got revamped over the offseason which feels like it was a millennium ago. Um I don't know about you. I'm excited to finally see this team take the field. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's all been lost in the shuffle, but, you know, we've forgotten how much kind of bright optimism we had for this season. 
and there's a lot of change and now we're we're gonna get to see how this team looks and how it plays and I do actually kind of like the Phillies' chances just because of you know, typically they have been, you know, as much as we've we've hated it, but they've been kind of a first third of the season type of team. They've, they've typically faltered, you know, summer onward. If they can replicate that and have, you know, if they can be on what would normally be a 100-win pace, you know, and win, let's say, like, you know, mid-30s games and, and go in into the playoffs that way, like, this is a team that certainly has the ability to, to go deep in, in this kind of format. And when you consider all the additions, you, you consider there's there's a new face as a manager, and um, now they've had even more time to prep, and I'm sure get to know the players. Um, I think it could be a, a really good recipe for a, a strong run for the six, uh, for the Sixers, geez, for the Phillies. But I, um, I, I think, too, when you, when you consider just, again, some of the injuries that the, the Phillies were, were looking down the barrel at this season, you know, some of those guys might be back now that, you know, for the start of the season, as opposed to just halfway through when maybe, you know, things aren't looking so bright. Um, even someone like Robertson, right? Like, you, we might mm-hmm. see him back. Who knows? Like that. And that would be a huge, huge person to have back for the Phillies, uh, especially when you consider this is the start of the season. So if, if we can see some of these guys who are a little on edge about being back, um, that would also be a huge bonus, but I think I think everyone's excited to to have the potential of of seeing their favorite sport back, no matter what it is. And I think when it comes to this Phillies team too, and kind of this season is going to be like a playoff sprint. I think it's a an added bonus that they have Joe Girardi in the dugout, who's an experienced manager, has done the whole playoff run a bunch of times, knows what it takes to win a World Series. I think that's a huge competitive advantage now for them. Uh, in this current state of baseball, to have a guy who knows what it takes to win games in succession in such a short, compressed amount of time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think you know we're going to see just how bad this team wants it, and we're going to see very quickly um, just if they've made any any strides at all. But again, you know, when you consider where this team was at at Memorial Day last year, if they can have that same kind of start, I mean. I think there's there's a real difference between going into the postseason, you know, the number one dog, as opposed to limping through in wild card like we might have done, right? You know, and what that does to your confidence and all that. So, I I do feel positive about the Phillies' chances, and when you already consider the changes that they've made, um, and and I, I do think there's there's room there for the Phillies. But you could honestly tell me three or four teams from the NL East alone, <laughs> you know, could make a run. Just again, when you consider it's only sixty games. You, you know that it's two months you just have to be good for two months and and you could uh you know have a really good path to to a world series at least burst and that's i think that has to give excitement to any fan you know it really doesn't even matter unless you're like a marlins fan not to <laughs> not, not to get the low-hanging fruit here but really i think every team should have some hope of, of you know making the playoffs and making a legitimate run i mean who knows yeah and i mean for the Phillies' sake those those four teams that are going to be in the run for them when it comes to the NL East are going to be the opponents to look out for. And then obviously you have the Red Sox, you have the Rays, and you have the Yankees. But I think a nice little bonus too is that on paper at least when it comes to the Marlins, uh, and then you have the Blue Jays who are kind of rebuilding a bit, and then you have the Orioles who might finish with the uh, MLB record for worst winning percentage in a season ever. Uh 
that's got to be a nice little glimmer of hope when it comes to the Phillies winning a handful of these games on paper, at least. Yeah, on paper is the the key yes. <laughs> the key word there. You know, it's going to be interesting because when you play at Marlins Stadium, it's already empty pretty much. So the the atmosphere is certainly not going to change, which is not going to be any hope that the Phillies are going to perform any better um, if they have to play in the Marlins Stadium this year. But you know, yeah, on paper, you you'd hope that you know. Let's just be frank. There's there's teams at the bottom of both those divisions that the Phillies should be beating, that everyone else should be beating up on. But we know we'll obviously drop games. It's going to be it's I think the the biggest area for growth is that it is our performance against you know teams like the Marlins and even when you look across the division we I think we just had a really difficult time last year just consistently being better than than you know teams that frankly we should be beating and and letting teams back into games especially as the season went on we were just absolutely dreadful when it came to divisional games if that's an area we improve on especially in a season like this I mean that that could be a massive difference and really could be the difference between being a playoff team and, and sitting out, you know, when it comes to that time. But um, let's hope the Phillies inspired by Joe Girardi can make real tangible change, but I'm, I'm excited to, to watch it happen. And then I think the only real cause for concern for this team is yes, they have great hitting, but they're going to be facing a lot of good pitching in these 60 games. You, you take a look at just in the division, you've got the big four with the Nationals, you've got the the Mets pitching of, you know, Jacob deGrom, you got Steven Matz, Syndergaard obviously won't be there because of Tommy John surgery, um, you know, even the Marlins have some guys that, that gave the Phillies issues last year. I'm not too concerned with the Braves pitching because the Phillies seem to always uh, have their way with them, um, but then you look across at these American League East teams that you're going to be facing, you got to face Garrett Cole. You got to face Hyunjin Ryu, who signed with the Blue Jays this offseason. You've got Blake Snell, the rest of the Rays, and how they operate with their pitching. Uh, and then you've got Boston, if, if their guys are healthy. Um, that's kind of my biggest concern is how are the how are the Phillies hitters going to really attack these, these high-level pitchers that they're going to be facing all season because, you know, there were there were points last year where Phillies hitters were on, but then there were points last year where it looked like they were just hacking up there with their eyes closed. Exactly. And you know, I, I do think some of that was linked to the, the hitting issues, I think, as a team last year. And you'd hope that with Girardi's, you know, hiring and, and some other, you know, coaches being implemented that that goes away and that's improved. Um but that's it's certainly an, an area of the game that you're going to have to kind of believe to see. Um, it's going to be a huge test. I mean, again, you know, yes, there, there's obviously, like with any division in baseball, there's bottom feeders. But I don't think you could have had, again, two more difficult, at least at the top, you know, the top three or four teams in each division are, are some of the best in baseball overall. And, you know, all of them, I, you know, you have the reigning you know, World Series champions in our division, and you have, I think, is always uh, kind of a perennial favorite in the Yankees. Uh, Red Sox certainly can't be counted out. Um, and then everyone else is certainly good enough, or at least dark horse candidates. So there's there's lots of strength in, in this schedule that the Phillies are going to have to face. All that means to me, though, is that if this team is the real deal and can put together you know a, a good win pace, then that means we should be good enough to win a World Series. And I, I have true belief that this team can. Um, I even thought it last year I, I was on the train, but this year I, I hope with more consistency um, that we can get that. And that's going to be the, the big key. But 
I do worry about our pitching. You know, if, if we're talking about the, the strength of pitching we're going up against, I mean, this is still an area of weakness. Mm-hmm. And when you consider what a truncated season this is going to be, I don't know how much, how many times can you throw Aaron Nola into a right. situation, right? Like, I, I, he's really still our saving grace. And, and now he's probably going to be getting less rest, albeit in a truncated season. You, you probably shrug your shoulders, but. Um, we're going to be depending on him a lot, and I do worry about that. And I, I just worry that we don't really have great pitching depth. That's that's one of our biggest areas of concern, and that's I think going to be if if there is one, the, the Phillies' Achilles heel in this season. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Phillies right now, pitching wise, it's it's Aaron Nolan, Zach Wheeler, and then uh, a bunch of question marks. You know, even during the first go round of spring training. We really weren't sure who the fifth starter was even going to be. You know, it was a, a three-way battle between Pavetta, Velasquez, and Ranger Suarez. Uh, we don't know what Jake Arrieta is going to be like in an abbreviated season like this. Is it going to affect him uh, with his, you know, continuous injury issue since he's gotten to, you know, be on the Phillies roster? Um, you know, is Zach Eflin going to be able to handle this truncated season? I think your only two, you know, locks are those two top guys at the top of the rotation, like you said, how much can you rely on them to go out and throw, you know, every third day potentially with however teams are, are going to plan to use their starting pitching and how much of the bullpen is going to be used. You know, there's a lot to take into account when it comes to the pitching side of all of this, I think more than the hitters. Exactly. And I, I think even beyond that too, I mean, you're just, I, it's just, I'm just thinking about what a, what an absolutely insane season this is going to be, <laughs> and you know, I just I, I hope we get to finish it. I mean that mm-hmm. that's that's the reality is is that I hope the season gets to go through, and I hope everyone's able to make it through healthy and, and we're able to play these games safely. But um, there's still just looming question marks that I can't get out of my head with with all major American sports that are trying to come back. Um, but hopefully, you know, hopefully everyone can get it done and. Um, but yeah, I mean, even someone like Zach Wheeler, right, is is like still unproven at least with the Phillies. Like we have a lot of hope, and I think he has high potential, and I like him, but he's still a question mark technically, right? Like we haven't we haven't seen him have a, a cons- and we won't this year either because he's going, he's going, it's going to be a sixty game season and hopefully playoffs. But it's going to be another year where we don't know exactly how he does with huge volume right and being a more dependent guy but we obviously have high hopes that he is going to be a really impactful pitcher for us but even then you know we certainly have the weakest rotation i think out of all the opponents we're going to be facing when when, again when you consider who we're going up against and that's i think probably if anything more of a credit to the teams that we're going to be playing against rather than a disservice to the phillies but i think it is our most underdeveloped aspect of this team right now yeah, when it comes to Zach Wheeler, too, another guy who has had Tommy John surgery before in his career. So, I mean, how is this, you know, high-octane 60-game season going to affect his, you know, his throwing? And is it going to potentially re-trigger that Tommy John issue? Uh, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, the other thing is, you know, we talked about how they're going to be playing the AL East. How how do you expect this whole traveling to Canada thing to play out because the major league baseball submitted uh you know their their plea to canada to allow the blue jays to uh have spring training in toronto have their home games at their stadium and everything but traveling to a different country isn't coming into play with say the nhl 
or the NBA because they're playing in these, you know, hub cities. Baseball, they're playing in their home stadiums. Do you expect this whole Canadian thing to play out? I don't. Uh, and it's interesting because baseball also said that they're going to have the ability to relocate teams mm-hmm. if, you know, to, to more neutral cities or venues, um, you know, if, if whatever's happening in their state or, you know, province, if you're talking Canadian, I guess. Um, and then obviously we have the news of some Blue Jays players testing positive, um, you know, and, you know, the, it's already difficult enough when you think you're talking about America's response and how it differs so much state by state. Now you're talking about a, a separate country, you know, right? Like that's, there's different processes that have to be, you know, and I think it's not something we think about a lot, but you, you know, there's, there's a, there's, you're still passing through a border. You're still having to go to another country. There's a legal aspect to that. There's a logistical aspect to that that I think we forget. Right. And you've even heard of, of issues with you know some sports going to Canada and people with criminal records, you know, not being able to be allowed to go there to technically do their job, um, you know, and, and obviously in a time like this where where you're traveling to different places, you might have quarantine that you might have to go through before you can you know go about your business. So, I think it's a huge question mark. And, and personally, I I don't really expect to see the Blue Jays in Toronto, um, which sucks, right? Like you know, obviously, I think the the best plan would be for, for everyone to be able to stay in their home city and, and for the players to stay at home and with their families and all that. But um, I just, I don't think it's a realistic option right now. Yeah, I agree. And I think the one city I did see that they're talking about being a, a hub spot for either the taxi players or, or just a relocation city is Nashville. Uh, but then, teams would have to pay like a fee to get those players and everything so that all has to be worked out as well and you know how do you determine what the the neutral site location is going to be and you know I guess it all depends on whatever team might have to be relocated to and how they want to kind of you know locate them in terms of what their schedule is as well exactly and again that's that's the logistical side of this that I think is going to be kind of the headache and you know just with with how frequently things are changing and and in uh, spiking, you know, if you're having to reshuffle teams to different cities, I think the question might become in a month and a half, why didn't we just have a bubble, one central location, like the other two sports are, are planning on doing, um, which I think could be a valid question, or we could be finding out that this is the the best way to do it, right? Keep everyone in their familiar environment where they've been for the past three months and quarantining that way. And having the travel be as as safe and as sanitized as you can have it, um, but you know, I, I guess you're going to see two very different methods when you talk about the major American sports. And I guess we'll see which one prevails, or at least provides the best results. But um, we just have to hope that all the leagues and all the players can can do it safely. That's that's my like number one hope for 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 whatever happens in the next few months is that it, it can be done as safely as possible. Absolutely. And when it comes to the Phillies and with this designated hitter being in place, I mean, who's to say, you know, there's not going to be a minor league baseball season. Why shouldn't the Phillies give somebody like Alec Bohm a shot to be their DH? You know, don't give him the pressures of playing in the field every day. You've already got, you know, Gene Segura at third base. Why not give it a shot and let Alec Bohm kind of just get get hacks and let him hit at the major league level, especially against the guys that the Phillies are going to be facing pitching wise? I think that would be just the perfect 
storm for Alec Bohm to get his feet wet at the major league level. Brother, you are speaking my language right now. I mean, that is <laughs> from the word of the Lord right now. I, I, I agree. You know, and I think the the biggest thing we've talked about it with Alec Bohm is obviously we know. I think we feel very confident. I should say that offensively, this guy is going to be very good at the at the major level. Um, the questions are obviously defensively, but yeah, when you add in the potential of him being a DH, I, yeah, that's a great position to have him in because it is, you know. It's obviously high pressure in some ways, but it's low pressure in that you're not you're, you're only focused on hitting. You're focused on doing something that you're already very good at. You're not having to worry about defensive, you know, schemes and, and, and going out there and worrying about that kind of tactical side of it. You're just going out there and I think doing what's natural to you and what you're best at. And I think that's that could be a real recipe for success for him, uh, which could be beneficial for the Phillies. But yeah, I, the, the DH I think could be a, a benefit to us in a lot of ways. Like I said, you know, in that. We do, you know, I, I, I will give the, the Phillies credit, at least, for building a pretty flexible roster. Again, we don't have insane depth when it comes to, you know, positional players, but we do have at least two or three guys that we feel relatively good, you know, with depending on. And I think that could be a benefit for us. Um, I do think, you know, obviously we lack in pitching, but I think if you look, especially at least in the NL East, I think we have a, a, a deeper roster than than some of these other teams, and I think there's plenty of talent. I've never had a question, even going back to last year, about one through nine on this team. I think is good enough to win a World Series. I really do. Um, it's always been the pitching that I think is the problem, and this could be a season where you know if you can just maximize your strengths to the best of your ability when it's such a it's such a short window. I think you could make a very good run at it. And you know, again, if if you looked at last year, you took our first sixty games. That's exactly what would have happened. We would have we would have been, I think, an overwhelming favorite, honestly, you know, going into the playoffs if it ended at Memorial Day last year. Yeah. And I mean, you also look at a guy like Reese Hoskins, who first part of the season was was smacking the ball all around the park, and then the all star break hit and he just went terribly cold. Um, I think he's the most interesting and probably the X factor for this Phillies team in this little truncated season because when it comes to Reese, we've gotten small sample sizes of what he's able to do, but then, you know, a pause comes or, you know, he hits a wall and it's like a completely different player. If Reese is hot for, say, even, you know, 40 of these 60 games, that could be a huge X factor in who ends up winning the NL East. Absolutely. And, Again, I think Reese was one of those guys that was sort of uh, a victim of a lot of uh, hitting coach change last year. And I think just no clear direction philosophically, like what this team wanted to be. And I think there wasn't really strong, you know, leadership from from management uh, last year or even the year prior. Um but yeah, I think he was someone that was kind of lost in the shuffle a little bit. And I think it was just frankly lacking in confidence too. I think he was just struggling a bit and was never really able to, to dig his way out. And I think I think got he got a, I think he got a little too much hate, you know, mm-hmm. if I if I'm being honest, for for it last season. It obviously wasn't a, a great, you know, second half of the year, but I do think people kind of lost lost sight of what a really special player he can be. Um, he's obviously, I don't think, going to be the best player on this team, but he's certainly going to be. He's going to be like the linchpin, right? And you need those guys. We when and we've gotten the chance to reminisce about the the 08 team, the 08 run, because of you know, like NBC Sports Philadelphia's been putting out a lot of content in the last few weeks about that team. There was guys up and down that roster that, yeah, weren't absolute superstars, right? But were still beloved and still hit well. Shane Verkino is one of those guys. You know, he's 
you consider him like a cult hero, but I think he's largely adored. He wasn't the guy that was always, he wasn't your Utley or your Howard, right? He was carrying the team night in and night out. Everyone, you know, everyone had his jerseys, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, he was someone that had big moments, was, was crucial to, to those Phillies teams having success, was, was a good player. And I, I think people, you know, fans really loved. Um, and I, I do see a little bit of recent him, right? You know, I, I do think they're kind of in the same mold of player in that they're when the, the moment is, is good for them, they have a, a chance to rise to the occasion and they can do that. And I, I believe the same can be said for Reese. I think he has that in him. And I think one other interesting aspect of all of this comes into the broadcast because only the home team's broadcast crew, TV-wise, is going to be able to call the game. So when the games are on TV, we're going to be hearing the local broadcasts uh, for all these Phillies games. Which is kind of cool, actually. It's going to give us a chance to see, you know, other, uh, you know, other teams and, and how they react. It's interesting because you're going to have to see, I think, some uh, broadcasters biting their tongues a little bit and mm-hmm. trying to be not as... Uh, uh, so I think baseball is probably the best sport for this, though, just because I, I do. I've always felt, you know, and, and obviously when you're talking about some divisional rivals, maybe whatever, but I've always felt like the most camaraderie amongst like baseball fans and, and different teams. And there's sort of a general love of the sport as a whole and all other teams. There's it's not really kind of the the hatred that you get with some like NFL teams with, with each other, even some hockey teams and stuff like that. Like I've always felt that there's like this kind of spirit of the game that transcends just Phillies and Marlins, right? Or Phillies and Nationals. Like, obviously there's some hate there, but overall I do expect it still to be, you know, it's not going to be annoying to listen to, right? If you were listening to the Sixers being broadcast on the Celtics broadcast, we'd be rolling our eyes a lot. But I do think, you know, we're going to get some better service, um, you know, from, you know, these like away teams that we're going to be having to to listen to. Yeah. And I mean, we kind of lucked out too with the schedule that we have. Most of these teams that the Phillies are going to be playing against have pretty damn good TV crews. Uh, so that's going to be entertaining. But the fun part is uh, both home and away radio broadcast crews will be at the stadium. So if you prefer listening to the radio, you'll be able to hear Fransky in LA or Kevin Franson no matter where the Phillies are playing. Did, I don't know if I ever told this on the show about one of my favorite radio moments of listening to the Phillies. Um, I'm pretty sure it was last year where Diplo was doing one of the um, after game like concerts. Yes. And they were discussing Diplo and they're like, that sounds like a, a, a pitching stat. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, he's got a, he's got a 4.2 Diplo this year. <laughs> um, so yeah, the radio can still provide, I think, I think good moments like that. Uh, don't, don't hit on the radio. I like, I like the radio. Yeah, Scott Fransky is one of the best in the business. Philly's um, very lucky with our radio broadcasters, like across the board. I think mm-hmm. you know whether it's Tom McGinnis or, or Merrill. Like I think wherever you look, it's it's Jim not a Jackson bad listen. Jackson with the honestly. Flyers. Yeah, I mean some pretty iconic voices actually. So Philly radio, pretty good for for broadcasting. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you know, with these teams playing in their home cities, how difficult do you think it's going to be to, you know? You know, are we going to have security and things policing fans from tailgating outside of stadiums and things of that nature? Yeah, um, I think I think you'll have to. And, and again, not to draw back to European soccer, but that's the best example we have right now. Mm-hmm. Of leagues that are restarting, you're having those same concerns. Um, you know, Liverpool is about to win their first 
Premier League title in 30 years. And there's a huge concern about the fans showing up to celebrate, you know, because it's it's not just winning the title. It's, it's a long-awaited one. Um, and there's there's a big concern and question about making sure that fans stay safe and aren't organizing and going. Truth be told, I think you're going to have people want to do that anyway, no matter where you're at. That your fans are people are going to want to get together. They're going to want to tailgate. Um, and I don't know what role necessarily the teams can have in that. I think it's going to honestly be up to the city, you know, to, to kind of police that situation. Um, hopefully, you know, everyone can be smart as a fan and say, it's probably better to not be going out and, and socializing with strangers. It's probably best if I just stay home this summer and watch my baseball or, or my basketball. Um, but yeah, that's, that's definitely an interesting component to this, you know, where as we're seeing people want to be outside more as the weather's nice, you know, and, and sports start to come back and maybe it all feels a little more normal, making sure that we're not putting, you know, fans at risk of, of spreading this virus when they just go and, and want to, you know, play can jam and cornhole and, and, you know, drink beers in the parking lot. Now, uh, I did see during, I'm not sure which league it was, but there was a fan that uh, got onto the field during a soccer match uh, a this week ago. This was ago. in the Spanish league, yeah, which is insane. <laughs> the, the stadiums are empty, and um, yeah, uh, it's, 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 it's a weird situation, you know, and, and again, I, I, just looking at those leagues and how they've come back, it's, it's really impressive because players are being tested constantly and it feels you know games are starting to really pick up a rhythm now and it actually feels like it's a lot more normal um and i do hope we can get to that kind of level in in the u.s but just when you consider how different the response has been depending on what state you live in i mean it's it's a huge ask but you know you you have to have faith that people have thought a lot about how to bring sports back safely and that everyone's going to be respectful of that and that the leagues are, are going to do their due diligence to make sure everyone is, is coming back safely. But yeah, there's, there's questions. There's a million branches to this tree that you can, you know, that you can pick apart. And the truth is we don't really know, you know, we, we don't know how this is going to work. We don't know if it's going to work. We don't know if we're going to be able to finish the season, but it's, it's certainly on the table that we're going to try and, and do it this way and finish it. But, um, yeah, are fans going to be able to show up at later stages? Who knows? Uh, we have no clue what's going to happen, um, you know, over the next few months. Yeah, because, I mean, the amount of times we've heard Larry Anderson call somebody a dingbat for running on the field uh, at Citizens Bank Park, you could probably count it on both hands. Uh, and then you have teams like, you know, say the, the Texas Rangers who have a brand-new stadium, who's to say some dumbass fan doesn't want to go take a look at the new uh, – the new home of their favorite team and, and sneak into the stadium. I think there's going to be a lot of interesting aspects to baseball being, you know, that they're playing in their home stadiums rather than a hub city. Right. And there's, there's pros and cons to each situation, but yeah, having them still in the same city, you know, means that fans might feel more emboldened to go again and, and hang out and say a Jetro lot or <laughs> if uh, a certain unnamed bar that happens to sit in the sports complex potentially opens or has at least outdoor seating available, things of, like that, um, that people aren't going to go there and try and you know, live normally. And um, yeah, that's, that's the big risk I think 
you know, on, on this as well as when you bring all this back, it encourages people, I think, in a way, in a way, I think it's healthy, right, to have these like normal things back in our life and be able to kind of just take our brains off and watch some baseball, watch some basketball, like enjoy something that we care about. But it also does, I think it can distract people from the reality of our situation. So, right. Just because baseball is back on TV does not mean that this virus has gone away, right? The virus doesn't care. The baseball is back. Uh, it, it, it doesn't care. And, and I think that's my biggest concern is that this may be another step to kind of, easing people's minds too much and that we're not going to be vigilant still but i trust i do trust at least people in new jersey <laughs> I, <laughs> I trust um because i have to say i'm very proud of our state and it's it's response so far and frankly there's obviously some knuckleheads but i think largely everyone's kind of response to this has been very strong and good and i i am truly proud of that but um you just you have to put a lot of faith in in strangers right now and that's a little bit scary but that's just the reality what are your expectations for a 60-game Bryce Harper season? Uh, I mean, it's crazy, but 20 home runs would be like an insane number. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, I I, I think I'm, I'm, a, I'm very optimistic of, of Bryce this season because I think he had, a, honestly, I think he had a very good year last year. Mm-hmm. It was by no means his best season, of course, but I'm very optimistic. He's had a lot of time to rest and come back fully charged. And I, I think of all the players in the league that I feel like want to be back the most, he's, he's right up there. And I, I think everyone wants to obviously be back and, and playing and doing what they love. But he seems to me very vocal about wanting to get back out there and play and, and do what he loves. And I feel like you can't really discount that. And I, I feel like he also has a real point to prove um, when you consider that the team he just left won the World Series last year. He went to one of their divisional rivals, and we didn't even make the playoffs. Like I think he kind of has a chip on his shoulder about that. And this is a guy that has had expectations on him his entire life and has lived up and exceeded them. Um, so I would expect more of the same this year. And yeah, I, I think this is you're going to see some interesting. I think. Um, numbers this season, right? You know, there's obviously been talk about maybe having another 400 uh, guy, you know, uh, win, win the batting title this year. Like, I'm not saying Bryce is necessarily going to be in that race, but who knows? You know, again, it's crazy, but this season's only going to be a little over two months. You know, think of the, some of the hot streaks that we've seen from players. I mean, you, you could really see something very unique and very special this season, and Bryce absolutely capable of bringing that. Yeah, I mean, you look at Bryce's numbers last year, 35 home runs, 114 RBIs. He hit 260, uh, had an OPS of 882. I mean, there's there's definite room for Bryce to, you know, come through this season and, you know, really shock a lot of people, put this team on his back, and be a guy who's in this potential shortened season MVP discussion. Uh, which we haven't seen Bryce in the MVP discussion in a few years. Obviously, he won it a couple years ago as well, but I, I think if any player right now is is more motivated to you know go out and, and prove what he's made of, I think Bryce Harper is going to put the league on notice during these 60 games of a season. Absolutely. I, I think he he is one of those guys that you know has a lot to prove still, but also has a pedigree right like he's he's a very interesting player in that he always feels simultaneously underrated and overrated like it feels like people 
very quick to shoot him down. Yet some people, especially Phillies fans now, are very quick to kind of say, like, no, he's top three player in baseball. It's like, well, he's in the middle. Like, he's a great player. He has still plenty of potential to be a top player in baseball. But um, I, I do think he has a lot to prove. And I think, again, when you, whenever you consider just what a short season it's going to be, any I think of the superstars can have absolutely knockout years, right? You you look at what like um, the start that Yelich had last year, right? Yes. Like that, I mean, that was he <laughs> is an insane start to the season. And again, that's that's all it takes is just that that one hot streak, even if it only lasts you a month. That's half the season right now that you've just carried your team and potentially got you know added one or two wins, you know, in a sixty game season. I mean, that's that could be the, a huge difference to to a lot of clubs, not just the Phillies. Yeah, and I mean, you look at Bryce's numbers last year in July, August, September, that's really when he caught fire. You know, he started going on his hot streak, obviously, in August, but, you know, July, August, September, Bryce hit 20 home runs. And, you know, if, if he stays hot like that, and, you know, I think the way he ended last season, uh, he was on an absolute tear. He wanted this team to get into the playoffs. He was doing everything he could to make sure that they would. Uh I think Bryce is going to come out and and really, you know, show out and and prove why he signed that contract. He's going to have dad strength times two now because he announced the other day that he and Kayla are pregnant with a baby girl. So congratulations to the Harpers again uh, for another baby on the way. But I I'm genuinely excited to see the swagger that we're going to see from Bryce Harper this season because I think it's going to be like unlike any other season he's ever had in his career you're also forgetting a very important component here he's got the man bun I yes mean, this is we no one's talked about this by the way i didn't even know this was a thing i saw a video of him hitting i was like wait when does bryce Harper get a man bun yes why is, and why has this not been talked about more because this is that could be key i mean this is this is a big hairstyle change and i as a, as a, a previous member of man bun mm-hmm. club um it does add power to your game, that's for sure. So, I, I'm very hopeful that uh, you know, we we see Bryce, and he deserves to have a great season. And um, I mean, just how amazing would it be? I don't care whatever any other team puts an asterisk on it. If if we saw this team win a World Series this year, I mean, it gets me very excited thinking about it. Yeah, I'm super pumped that baseball is back. I'm glad they found a way. Um, now the interesting part comes down to. What is this offseason going to look like? Obviously, the transaction freeze uh, ends on Friday. So if JT Real Muto doesn't have a new five-year, $90 million contract by Monday, there's going to be an issue for me. Um, that's my question for you. Does JT get signed as soon as this uh, freeze ends? My heart wants it to be done, and my mind wants it to be to be done, but... I think no, and and my reason is is because I think, and I think we talked about this a little bit when we talked about the trade deadline and how players are going to be valued. I I do think that guys like JT right are going to probably be lowballed, um, and are going to face a very un. Let's be really, I mean, they're going to face a very uncertain market right now. When you consider that you've lost gate revenue, any kind of concessions, fan shops, right? Um, TV deals could be affected in the future when that happens, right, you, you might see a contraction in how much players are being paid. We've been on this kind of upward curve of players being paid more and more and more. You know, it's why the Zach Wheeler deal 
within a week didn't look so bad <laughs> because we, <laughs> we saw guys getting paid four times more than him. Even someone like Bryce Harper, right? Like is now that's like an average pay for a superstar now. You know, like that's that's really nothing even crazy. Um, so my honest feeling is that this is going to go on maybe longer than it should. I wanted JT signed last year. I think we yes. both did. I wanted him the day that we traded for him just to lock it up. Um, but I, I would, I would honestly bank more on, on JT and guys in his situation, probably to be out in the cold, maybe longer than they expected. Or again, maybe even get a, a lower deal. Just when you think about, you know, the very uncertain future of, of, of all sports right now. Yeah, I I ultimately feel like a deal will get done uh, simply because in the case of the Phillies, they now have all that leverage to offer the contract to JT at that kind of maybe low-balled rate of, say, maybe five years, $85 million because who's to say if JT hit the open market, I don't think he's getting anywhere close to that because of the reasons you listed where teams are not going to have that type of money that they're going to be willing to spend. I feel like a guy like JT, who is you know getting a bit older in his career, this will probably be his last big contract, would rather have that kind of security than hitting the open market and not really knowing what the future might hold because of this time that we're in, um, that he might not get a contract that he and his family you know could really benefit from. Yeah, and I, I agree with with what you're saying too in that. Um, maybe he does take that deal, but I, I think it's certainly a question that we're gonna we're gonna see. I think you know and and find out about because I'm I'm very curious to see just how players are valued. And this is even I think a baseball you know question now. It's it's going to be across all sports how players are valued because we will we will see this less money kind of being thrown around. We've been on this spree the last few years, and rightly so that players are being paid more, but. When you consider just kind of the, the financial damage that a lot of these leagues are taking by not having arenas filled, by by being off air, by revenue streams being impacted, I, I do wonder if, if we're going to see at least some contraction on, on player salaries. Um, but, you know, hopefully JT gets paid what he's worth. I want him signed up no matter the cost, especially when you consider what we, we gave up for him. I think you absolutely have to re-sign JT Rubin, so it would be criminal negligence not to. Absolutely agree, uh, and since we've we've ma- mostly made this show baseball for all the right reasons, uh, I think it's fair to announce that we are a not that we weren't before, but we are a very pro Trevor Bauer podcast. Uh, I don't know if you saw he kind of pushed one Kurt Schilling off the edge and made him deactivate his Twitter. Yeah, I also saw him giving the the slam down to one Mister uh, Aubrey Huff as yes. well. Uh, man, just when you thought you couldn't hate the Giants and those those teams uh, even more, I mean, geez, it's just every day a constant reminder of just the sludge of that team. <laughs> but yeah, we uh we certainly stand Trevor Bauer, <laughs> that's for sure. Trevor Bauer come on the podcast challenge activated, uh, and then I don't know if you saw the quotes from former Phillies manager Gabe Kapler. Uh, he was asked on how he plans to manage these sixty games. He said. He's going to manage it like it's a playoff game. So we're finally getting playoff games. <laughs> yeah, what, is, what does that mean? Pulling your pitcher after three innings? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I do wonder, though, Gabe was kind of like conservative with that kind of thing. I wonder if that might benefit in mm-hmm. a season like this. I, I, I do actually wonder about it, but the Giants aren't really 
a team I would expect, even though this could be a wonky season, obviously, and we're going to see at least one or two teams that we thought for sure playoff contenders, even World Series contenders, not even make the playoffs. Um, so who knows? But I do think Gabe could have a pretty good first Again, it's a very short season, obviously, but he could have a good first show of it just because I do think he's a guy that focuses a lot on rotation like that um, to a fault at times, I think. So we'll see. Um, I'm not really rooting for Gabe Kapler, but I'm not really rooting against him. But it's it's also the Giants. So, I mean, it's like don't really want them to succeed. Yeah. <laughs> and it would be so Phillies and just so 2020 that we get a Phillies-Giants wild card matchup or something of the nature where those two teams meet up in the playoffs and it would just be so on brand for this team i'm actually really upset you put that in the universe (laughs) very very annoyed that you just put that out there uh i think that's all we got uh we will save the nba and mls and any more baseball news for our next show uh because we've got nba players opting out of uh Disney lockdown. We've got the MLS on its way back, which means the union will be back. And uh, with the transaction wire opening back up for baseball on Friday, I'm sure we'll have a lot to discuss uh, on our next show. But that's why you should be following us on Twitter and Instagram at UndergroundPHI. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. And you can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. Big news as well. In the next couple of weeks, we should have a brand new, all new website. Uh, ready to go shout out to our guy Kevin Guest he has been working diligently to get that bad boy up so we're going to have a ton of new content there and um, we'll also be introducing our uh, our gaggle of interns that we are bringing in our first official full-blown intern class for Underground Sports Philadelphia this summer uh, will be announced at some point next week very excited for that And uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Let us know how excited you are about baseball being back, your expectations for this Phillies team, and anything else in between. Five stars only because we have standards and we know you do too. And you can also check us out on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. Any final thoughts, Matt? No. I just, uh, again... Echo, echo what we said last week. Everybody stay safe. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. It's not a big deal. You can do it. I believe in you. Yeah, and uh, let's get Alec Bohm as the DH of this team. He and Jay Bruce yeah. as a, a DH tandem. Sign me up. Absolutely. Uh, but this let's call them the cure. <laughs> uh, this episode and all of our episodes sponsored by our amazing local sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, who are now back open. You can check them out on Instagram at Ducharms, and they have all of their uh, guidelines and everything for shopping at the store on there. Security 21, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And of course, our kick-ass merch provider, Design Tree, DSGNTree.com. Search Underground Sports Philadelphia and use the promo code DSGN10. Save yourself $10 off at checkout. Gear up for baseball being back. Our Bryce Harper shirts are up there. It's probably my favorite design on our entire storefront. We've got the the DD Gregorius crest shirt as well. We've got the Aaron Nola 2-7 Floor Delis shirt. And uh, obviously the Hit and Season shirt on there as well. And we've got our Sixers gear, our Flyers gritty that you see in every episode background in the studio. 
That's also on the storefront. And save yourself 10 bucks, like I said, with promo code DSGN10. And, of course, our friends at Tomahawk Shades, TomahawkShades.com. Use the promo code USP at checkout to save yourself 25% off and sign up for their rewards program, Earn Hawk Points, for every dollar you spend. And if you follow them on Instagram and Facebook, you get 50 points each. It's just free money. It's easy to do, an affordable product, uh, a quality product. And uh, our friends at Tomahawk Shades are doing the damn thing. New stuff coming out almost each and every week. And uh, they're the best in the business. Why would you spend an entire paycheck on a pair of sunglasses when you can get it for a fraction of the price? And on top of that, save 25% off with our promo code USP. And this has been episode number 246 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Matt, I'm Kyle. Be kind to one another. Do the right things. Wear your damn masks. We are signing off. Peace.